0: blog talk radio
1: well well
0: it's a big show yeah it's a big man show tonight love.
1: you have tuned in to the sports talking with ace man and the cross the best sports radio show on blog talk radio for Crosby, missed it as it bounced wide. Girardi hit by the Queen. 15 seconds to go. Naslin, Jaredav to the net. Farb takes the ball, the snap, play action, drops the throw, throws a bomb over the middle, at the five, into the end zone, touchdown, Jericho pottery the Jets go for the home run on fourth and one, and Farb throws a strike to pottery Red Farb on the afternoon, five touchdowns, it's third down, Manning throws for Toomer, touchdown, what a catch, they're three for three and scoring touchdowns from inside the 20 and here's the latest one to tumor
0: yeah they go bunch set and then they disperse the wide receivers to get them to spread the field and then they've got Amani Toomer working the middle one-on-one on the rookie Mike Jenkins now, that's just a great catch by Amani Toomer
1: live from Lynbrook and Brooklyn New York this is the Sports Docket Radio Show with Ace Man and the Quas on Blog Talk Radio.
2: And welcome to the Sports Docket right here on Blog Talk Radio for this Thursday night, February 19, 2009. I want to thank everyone for tuning in once again. I'm Ethan Quasman, currently uh, co-host Ace Man, a.k.a. Stephen Ackerman, uh, currently not on the air. Uh, Ackerman usually... Uh, when he's not doing sports doctor shows, is bowling. He's an, avid, he's an avid bowler these days. Uh, he's been part of uh, Lindbrook, as you heard in our intro, of the Lindbrook bowling team uh, that actually made it to the county finals for the first time in a long t- in 40 years, he said, last time. So congratulations to them. He's probably bowling. He's, he's going to be bowling late tonight uh, in Lindbrook from 11 to 4 a.m. I guess they want one of these late-nighters. Uh, the bowling alley, and it's uh, kind of hard to do radio show with uh, bowling at the same time. You kind of need some good coordination there and also kind of loud with the bowling alley in the background. Uh, regardless of that, we do have uh, another Steve as a guest coming on, Steve Grill, from uh, another popular show right here on Blog Talk Radio on Hockey Night on Long Island. Uh, he'll be joining us at 9.30 to talk about the Islanders, uh, the last placed team in the world right now. Uh, but they have high hopes for the future, and we'll discuss that with the Grill when he comes on at uh, 9.30. Uh, you can check out Hockey Night on Long Island right here on Blog Talk Radio. It's at blogtalkradio.com slash I believe. Um... I'll double-check. Uh, no, it's not that. I, th- I think it's blogradiocom for Hockey Night on Long Island. So check it out. I, when he'll come on, he'll let me know the exact link. I have tuned into this shows a lot. They usually broadcast on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's blogradiocom slash hockey night on Long Island. Just spell it all out. And they're right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, it's going to be kind of hard competing right now because we're actually competing with uh, the uh, Jonas Brothers, uh, Jonas Brothers' mother who's on another radio show so I guess all the girls are tuned to that because there's going to be a shout out from the Jonas Brothers but uh, that's not sports docu, that's another radio show that we're competing with right now on Blog Talk Radio the number to call in if you want to share your sports comments on the air is 1646 478 5118 and if you want to uh, you can also call in when Steve Grill comes on at 930 and you can also talk with us uh, through the uh, chat room Uh, a couple people in there, well actually one person but usually get it filled up during the show, it's over at our chat room uh, blogtorio.com slash docu. If you're on Facebook right now you can also listen to us live through Facebook if some of you are that's over at tinyurl dot com slash docket two <clears throat> so you can check us out over there and you can also chat with me during the program at go talk to uh Kwas. go talk to quass over at AIM you can share comments that, that way as well um and hopefully we'll get you on through the program uh well so this you had your uh, nice um President's Day weekend coming into this week. Uh, You had, uh, and then uh, coming up on Friday, uh, I mean, coming up this weekend, you have your Oscars weekend. And the weekend following that, um, you have, well, actually, last weekend you had also your uh, NBA All-Star Game weekend. The NBA All-Star Game weekend usually followed the NHL All-Star Game weekend. the East has surprised the West. The NHL, that wasn't really the case in the NBA as the uh, Western Conference showed why they are the dominant conference and destroyed the the Eastern Conference. But the NHL, surprised win by the East uh, in the uh, All-Star game, didn't have didn't expect that. Number to call one six four six four seven eight five one one eight. Uh, we'll talk with you, and as, as I was saying, also the weekend following the Oscars weekend. You have uh, your World Baseball Classic on the way, as well as the, uh, and of course, uh, uh, the first spring training games for both the Mets and the Yankees. And we will get to the Mets and Yankees um, on our program, of course, uh, as the position players have reported to camp for both the Yankees and the Mets. But, of course, uh, at, least, at least in Steinbrenner fields, uh, the big story has not been uh, the players on the field. It's been the players off the field and what they've been doing, uh, specifically Alex Rodriguez, uh, had that wonderful uh, press conference uh, on Wednesday and pretty much gave us the reasons for his, his as he called it, his youthful mistake, uh, taking steroids uh, when he was only 25 and a player uh, with the uh, Seattle Mariners. And then, of course, transpired over to his years with Texas. I have my I have a statement actually in front of me right now. It's actually an interesting uh, statement. Uh, you know, Alex does he's not the best speaker in the world at all. Um, and Brian Cashman, the GM of the Yankees, even acknowledged that. But, it, I mean, he still has to come out there, and he's got to tell the truth nothing but the truth. And today, uh, news, breaking news is reporting that uh, the cousin who Alex specified as his source for the steroids um, gave him. Uh, finally came out with the name uh, of the cousin who uh, was supplying the steroids from the Dominican Republic. So that's interesting to note. Uh, the name is out there. Uh, I'll check it right now. Uh, the name slipped my mind, but uh, they, did re- they did reveal his identity. Uh, and the question is now, is A-Rod's cousin linked to other players who took in steroids uh, from the uh, Dominican Republic? Or just in general, um, who've been smuggling these performing-enhancing drugs? One thing uh, stood out to me from Aaron's uh, statement, and I'll read it to you. Uh, and he, he could have really he really should specify exactly when he took these roids instead of kind of gloss over it. I mean, the only way to, for him to really move on from this, I mean, he said, you know, look at my past, I mean, look at my, uh, the best way now to judge me is to judge uh, my future, don't judge my past. Uh, from here on end, but people are still going to talk about the past. And, you know, he said p- people are going to talk about his future as though it's are even determined, but at the same token, uh, and, I mean, we're, we, we, we don't, we're not doing A-Rod well by talking about his future beforehand, but people are going to look at the, these steroids as the same way they look to the Bonds and Maguire and Sosa, that he's really a, a tainted player. He said something interesting. He said, it was at this point we decided to take it twice a month, this is with his cousin, for about six months during 2001, 2002, and 2003 season. We consulted no one and had no good reason to base that decision. It was pretty evident that we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, you know, I mean, all these, all these steroid experts have been coming on throughout the week saying, yeah, they knew what they were doing. I agree. I mean, Rod Alves, I mean, maybe he didn't know uh, about injecting the steroids and how that worked, how that whole thing worked. But they knew they were doing something that was not really was not encouraged by baseball. At least we can say that they knew that they knew. I mean, I mean, he said over and over and over again, you know, it's a mistake. I have my mistakes. Uh, And uh, a stupid mistake. I'm not going to. I apologize to teammates, baseball fans everywhere. But at the same time, you can't go out there and say that we didn't know what we were doing. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you don't. Maybe you said we weren't sure about everything about these steroids. But they knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. They knew. They knew the. uh, I mean, what this drug was designed to do. Not to mention, I mean, even when Andy Pettit could cut him a little bit of slack because he had the injury coming off, and uh, it, was, it was HEH, which is, not, which is a banned substance. But at the same time, baseball can't really test for it. But, I mean, a and, and, then, and then he goes on to say why he stopped taking the substance. Well, it's good you stopped stop taking the substance. He had a serious neck injury after, the, after he took the substance, and that's why he stopped taking it. So, I mean, I guess that's a lesson. So, in, in other words, if A-Rod didn't get this second neck injury, the, 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 I mean, this serious neck injury, would he be still taking steroids? I mean, this, this, his whole entire team was – I mean, there's a lot of problems with it. Uh, and, and, and the fact that these, the, the media and, and the and – the, and when the, the MLB said they didn't want to speak with A-Rod personally with their federal steroid investigators – I mean, there's just so many things you can ask about it, and so many unanswered questions. You still have an aerobic a steroid problem. And yes, we want to stay away from it because of all the media hype generates, of, of all the uh, talk off the field that it generates. But at the same time, we are focusing on this because uh, it's a black eye in baseball. It's something that, some of that's a problem that's only really in baseball. I mean, other sports do not have the steroid issue. And and something we have to talk about, but uh, you know I want to hear your thoughts on uh, this steroid scandal. Uh, I mean, we, we, you know, my my personally, I mean, if I, if if A-Rod was going to the Hall of Fame today, you know, I would take those three years, 2001, 2003, and I would just take the numbers off and then see how many home runs, how many RBIs he has. What's his average home run RBI t- <clears throat> total? And I I guarantee you it's, it's still going to look pretty good. I mean, his the, the years when he had 57 home runs uh, with the Texas Rangers, that's part of that span. Uh, they can double-check that, but you know, I don't have the stats in front of me. But I'm pretty sure that A-Rod would still have at least 450 home runs without those three seasons uh, and would still have over uh, 1,000 RBIs. Uh, we still have a pretty good OPS, a pretty good uh, batting average. Uh, I mean, he's still all a Hall of Famer in my mind, uh, regardless of this. I mean, it was like the Bond situation where it was clear when Bonds hit those 72 bombs, yeah, he was he was on the juice. Uh, so, But I'm glad A-Rod has uh, you know, pr- pr- pretty much said he's a changed man. He's been taking urine tests consistent with the MLB and blood tests. Uh, for the WBC, he's playing for the USA, which uh, starts up two weeks from now, and uh, he took the test part of the physical, and he'll take another blood test next week. So that's good that he's uh, following up here, and that he won't, that he's showing that he's, as everyone else has to show, instead of instead of continuing to, to deny it, that the baseball is going to change from this, and that this won't, this won't put a even a bigger damper on the game that it already has. Uh, that's just, I mean, I, I think A-Rod still has a lot of questions to answer despite the fact that the name of his cousin was revealed today. Uh, I still think a lot more information is going to come out of this and it won't just be from Jose Canseco's uh, book, Vindicated, which, uh, which was the first hint that A-Rod actually did take the steroids. And Canseco even said that he, Trained him in steroids, and who's going to believe and what he had to say? But um, still, at the same time, this definitely is definitely going to be ongoing, and it's going to be it's going to be on it's going to be on Yankee fans' minds, going to be on baseball fans' minds. When A-Rod goes in opposing ballparks, he's he's not going to get the reception he's got over the last couple of years. It's going to be a much different feel for A-Rod, and it's not just going to be not hitting in the, in the clutch anymore. It's going to be also whether he's um, you know, fulfilling his contract, uh, whether uh, he's hitting some home runs that he normally wouldn't have hit in the past, um, or some uh, whether you know, whether his you know his work ethic is, is the same as before. So there's a lot of issues going to come up with Alex Rodriguez. You want to call in? The number is one six four six four seven eight five one one eight. We're going to be talking hockey at 9.30. Uh, it's about 15 minutes from now. We're going to be talking with Steve Grill, host of the Hockey Night on Long Island program. We're going to be getting into the Islanders, uh, who are playing the Hurricanes right now, and that game uh, is ongoing. Uh, the Islanders hoping to bounce back from uh, – been actually doing pretty well at home of late, uh, and they're trying to bounce back from that 3-1 loss to Rangers. I mean, it, you know, I'm sure we have some Islanders fans tuning in. But if the Rangers would have lost to the Islanders uh, by any score in, in, in the in the last game, I think Tom Rennie would have been gone. Uh, and, uh, and the Islanders are losing again, big, big time, uh, 641 to go in the third period. It's six to two, Carolina, and that's at uh, Nassau Coliseum. So uh, the Islanders uh, maybe face another loss. Uh, the end of the second period in Tampa Bay. New Jersey Devils are actually losing. That's a surprise. Losing two to one to the Lightning. The Devils are trying to um, uh, get back on track here after a loss uh, after the All-Star break. So number one again one six four six four seven eight five one one eight. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll talk. Um, some Mets, the position players reporting to Tradition Field Carlos Beltran with some remarks about Cole Hamels and we'll also get a little more into the Yankees here and then we'll uh, have Steve Grill coming up at 9.30 on the Sports Docket with Duclos
1: What will recording your next project at Ground Crew Studios do for you? Your teeth will sparkle and your car will shine. you new Hattie in accounting will take you out to dine. You'll never have to diet or exercise. You'll make big bucks and have smaller size.
0: Get relief from the bloating of gas. Uh, prices, it goes together. Yes, it and, goes
1: together. Uh, Let's try it again. Home! How many sides can I pick from? Five! Plus a drink and it only costs me? Five! That's what I like! The speed hit show Pinks All Out is coming to Atlanta Dragway Saturday, May 10th. Yeah. Let's get
0: it on! Do you love your mattress? Love a good night's sleep? Then welcome to Boil's and the Kingsdown Experience.
1: Come on, Windex even cleans what the other stuff leaves behind. So? So, a bird could get hurt flying into a window like that. I'm Jeff Gordon, I drive for Pepsi. This is how I open it up. Husqvarna, feel the power. God forbid a man gets to watch one damn race all the way through, just once in his life.
0: There's a place where the earth rolls, the pines sway, and the shadows stretch. It's a place called Pinehurst. Always had a hankering to play Pinehurst.
1: There's always something new from Rubbermaid. At Carolina's Medical Center, we value the importance of your health.
0: Come discover the real George Washington because he's alive again at Mount Vernon. Chinette, life is served. Brown crew. From Lynn, Brooklyn, New York, this is the Sports Docket Radio Show with Ace Man and the Quas on Blog Talk Radio. 9-19,
2: 9:19 19 now 9:20 on a Thursday night, February 19th in New York City. Sports doc with the Quas. Eastman coming out with me. As I said earlier in the show, he is out bowling in Lindbrook until uh, 4 a.m. as one of those all-nighter activities. So uh, good luck to him. Uh, Eastman, of course, part of the Lindbrook bowling team, which uh, made counties for the first time in four years this year. So Congratulations. A number to call in, one 646 You can also aim me during the show at GoTalkToQuas, and uh, we'll put your comment on the air through there. Uh, we have Steve Grill, Hockey Night on Long Island, joining us in 10 minutes from now uh, to talk about uh, the Islanders' hot prospects and also about uh, the Islanders, I guess, their, their objective for the rest of this season. And uh, moving forward in their organization. Uh, the let's just uh, get into the Mets here for a little bit. Uh, of course, uh, uh, on two days two days ago, the position players reported to camp. Uh, after pitching catchers have reported, and um, the big uh, the big issue, of course, uh, going into Mets camp was nothing related to steroids. Although a lot of the players. We're asked about steroids, the big issue. I think with the Mets is their fifth uh, fifth spot in the rotation. You got about ten candidates for that spot. Uh, you have Tim, <coughs> excuse me. You have Tim Redding, uh, who's going to be competing. Uh, he was actually a Nationals ace from last year. You've got uh, Lavon Hernandez, who um, El Duque, his half brother, recommended for the for the job. You have John Neese, uh, the young kid uh, in, the, in the minors. And I guess you could also throw in – oh, yeah, Freddy Garcia. Uh, so you have five guys competing for that spot. Uh, Their early favorite probably is Garcia, even without any of the pitchers uh, thrown off the mound. But, uh, of course, as we've seen from the last couple of spring trainings, you have to play on the field before someone wins the job. I think it would be a fun race, though. I mean, the Mets never had these many guys competing for one spot. Um, and I think out of those four guys, the Mets will only have room for one of them uh, on their on their 40-man roster. The other guys are going to be probably sent into the minor leagues or just going to be waived and see if another chain picks them up. But um, the Mets have a lot of – that's really the one big position that you're going to be watching. I mean, you'll be watching for some bullpen spots. I mean, uh, I mean, the only guarantees we're going up in are probably Pedro Feliciano, J.J. Putz, and K. Rod, and Joe Smith. Uh, actually, Joe Smith is gone. Excuse me, Joe Smith is not. Joe Smith is in Seattle, I believe. I'll double check that. But uh, you got Putz, and you got K. Rod, uh, not A. Rod, K. Rod, as your uh, eighth and ninth guy uh, in the rotation there, and. Uh, <laughs> And that's. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Pastor Pat in our chat room. He always uh, provides a lot of uh, fun jokes during our sports talking programs. Um, yeah, as I was saying, uh, that's going to be the big competition uh, for the fifth for the fifth starter spot uh, in that rotation. Uh, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, who eventually gets that job, uh, Garcia. Now, who's been kind of a, a traveling veteran the last couple of years. Uh, if that one big year he had with Seattle in 2001, when he uh, led the league in ERA and uh, innings pitched, hasn't really um, found his groove with any team since then. He's he's gone to the White Sox. He's been with the. Uh, well, he had a couple of good, He had a couple of good uh, uh, seasons with the White Sox. He's also with the. Um, and the Phillies didn't really find his niche over there. Uh, and now, of course, he's with the, Met, with the Mets and, the, and uh, his big friend of Yohan Santana. So that could be uh, a, a big push for him to do well in, in, um, in terms of getting that fifth spot of rotation. Other than that, as Aceman said last week, the Mets' starting rotation gives them a chance to win on any given night. I mean, look at it, Santana. And then you've got... Uh, I got, you got uh, Mike Pelfrey, you got Oliver Perez, and John Maine, And those guys are eat up a lot of innings, and they're all workhorses, and they don't give you uh, a good chance of winning any night. And then from there, you have the fifth starter, who out of the four that are competing for the job, I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure about John Neese. Probably have really seen much of him. You know, he only had a couple of starts last year. But uh, with Tim Redding, uh, he had a he, surprisingly with the Nationals, he actually did a pretty good job. He was one of the only pitchers who wasn't uh, wasn't in double digits in losses. I mean, or double digits in terms of how many losses they had more than wins. Uh, he was a he was a quality starter for them. Actually, sure they considered him their ace, even though he did lose more than he won last year, I believe nine and thirteen. I'll double check his stats from last year. But it was a very interesting uh, season for him, playing on a playing on one of the worst teams in the league. So we'll we'll get into that. Later on, but it's going to be a fun fun arms race uh, for that fifth spot. Now to touch on uh, Carlos Beltran's remarks uh, regarding Cole Hamels and the choke artists, Um, you know, it's it's all part of the fun. I mean, the Mets Philly rivalry has really blossomed over the last couple of years, especially with the with the teams competing uh, for uh, the playoff spot, um, playoff spots uh, in the last three years. Uh, I think Mets-Phillies right now is even more hotter than Mets-Braves or anything else, uh, especially the way the Phillies have been overtaking us the last two years uh, when we have collapsed and the Phillies have come out of nowhere uh, the last couple of weeks and have taken care of the division. And, of course, ultimate last year when they went on to win it all um, in the fall classic spelled P-H-A-L for Phillies. And uh, but but I really think that um, with the way that this this rivalry is blossoming, I mean, you can you, you can pretty much expect any remarks coming from both sides. I mean, whether it's Cole Hamill's talk, I mean, Re- Reyes said it best. I mean, usually Reyes, um, you know, just just says one thing. But what Reyes said was pretty clear said, the fact the Phillies worry about themselves, we worry about the Phillies should start worrying about themselves because we don't worry about them; we worry about ourselves, I and mean, we're not going to focus on what the Phillies are saying. And I think that's a good point. The Mets, much where the last season have gone, the Mets can't, shouldn't really be smack talking the Phillies. I mean, K Rod, who wasn't part of this rivalry at all, was kind of thrown into the mix, and he just said we're the team to beat. Uh, not to anybody specifically like Carlos Beltran did for so Jimmy Rollins where the team to beat two years ago, I mean, last year. So, I think really the big, I, I think if the Mets and Phillies want to continue this rivalry, it's great. I think it's, it's great for both, both clubs because uh, it has been, both the Mets and Phillies have not been really good at the same time for a long time, but at the same time, if you want, same time, uh, the, I think the players should should not focus on the rivalry as much as showing on the field and uh, beating the Phillies in games that matter in April, um, as opposed to uh, waiting until September on, until they get the bats going. And that, of course, has not been the case the last couple of seasons. The Mets have not got it going late at all uh, when they when they had to and when when they, and they the most needed to uh, get a W in the in the uh, NL East column. So. But again, number one Um we have our feature caller of the night uh, from Hockey Night on Long Island, I want to welcome in Mr. Steve Grill, what's going on, Steve?
3: I'm doing pretty well, how are you doing today? Uh, great I'm doing good. Here.
2: Thanks, thanks man, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing pretty well, you know, it's getting in there halfway, you know, almost the season's uh, coming to an end now. Uh watching tonight the Islander game and uh, just prepare to move forward, I guess.
2: Yeah, of course, uh, from Hockey Night on Long Island, I'm Steve Grill joining us now. Now, of course, Steve, I'm pretty sure uh, with the way the Allens have been playing, um, you and Alex have had to find other topics to talk about on Hockey Night on Long Island besides the games. So, I mean, how have you... What has been probably your most popular topics besides the actual uh, losing?
3: I, I have... Think- I think what we've touched on a lot and what the fans and listeners of our program have wanted to talk about is the future, is the rebuilding. So the first way that we decided to do that was to look forward to the thing most immediately following this season, and that's the 2009 NHL entry draft in Montreal. And that's Mm -hmm. the pace the Islanders are on right now they continue this losing. Right now they're in the last place in the entire league. They're ranked 30th out of the 30 teams in the league and it looks like they will be the favorite to uh, get the first overall pick in the draft, and there's a couple of very, very good players this year. The biggest one that uh, we've been talking about every single week now for months is uh, a player by the name of John Tavares. You might have heard of him Mm. already, and uh, the Islander fans just want a player like Tavares. There's also a defensive called Victor Hedman, uh, who's going to be in the draft So Islander fans know at this point In the season, I mean you look at games like Today, a 6-2 loss to Carolina That looks like they will be getting A very high pick in this draft And that's what you have to look forward to
2: Now, now he's a defenseman John Tavares, the Islanders have actually A lot of good defensemen uh, In their in their uh, Minors system, and, and the Islanders actually are pretty, pretty stacked With defensemen and centers uh, In their minor leagues I mean, the Allens obviously want a top draft pick, but the way the Allens' prospect system, the way their minor league system has gone, uh, do you think it's necessary that they get this first draft pick?
3: Yeah, I think that this draft pick, if they get as a player who just recently in the World Junior Championship for Team Canada did a, played a, a great job. Canada won the whole World Junior Championship, I believe. I mean, if you look at the numbers he's put up in the junior hockey, they're just insane. And I think a player like him, he's one of those generational players. He's one of those players that can take a franchise like the New York Islanders and begin to turn it around. What you're saying with the Islanders' farm system, of course, in drafts like last year, what they did is, if you remember, they had the fifth overall pick and then traded down twice, first to the seventh pick with Toronto and then hmm. the ninth, I believe, with Nashville. And what that is it allows for extra, you know, second, third, fourth round picks, and so on in that draft, and now in future drafts, including this draft, that they're able to get a lot of quantity, a lot of players in the system. So now, throughout the whole Islander system, whether it's at the college level, the junior level, the minor leagues, the AHL, the Islanders have now a lot of good young talent available, and if you look at For example, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, the Islanders' AHL affiliate, I mean, they're having a pretty good season. They're now 32-17 and with uh, 70 points, third place in their respective (laughs) division. But um, you look at the Islanders in the future, and it looks pretty good right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're saying how Tavares is this generational player. Well, Sidney Crosby is also a generational player. He brought the Penguins to... uh... Uh, this close, um, obviously playing the, the Red Wings, and they, were, they didn't have much of a chance uh, in that series. But he brought them this close from the ultimate destiny, and now the Penguins are find themselves fourth place in the uh, Atlantic Conference one year later. I mean, when you bring in a generational player, things are not always going to work out right from, the, right from the get-go.
3: Yeah, I mean, exactly. You brought it up perfectly. You look at the whole league. You look at Pittsburgh. You look at Washington. You look at Phoenix. You look at Chicago, all these teams now are contenders in the Stanley Cup playoffs based on how they built through the draft, and I think the Islanders uh, really need to do that. I think it's also important to note, though, you look at the current roster, there are a lot of good young players on that roster that are definitely going to be core players in the future. You look at a player like Kyle pozo the Islanders, 2006 mm-hmm. first-round pick. You look at last year's first-round pick, Josh Bailey, I mean, Sean Bergenheim, you're going to have Rick DiPietro there for a while on the 15-year deal. I mean, yes, there's so many good pieces right now on also the current roster that can be used along with the other players to form what can be a good core uh, in the future.
2: Yeah, you're speaking of all these NCAA products. I mean, what? I mean, Mike Comrie, of course, an everyday player of the island is right now. I mean, he's been very streaky this year. What do you think has been the source of his streakiness?
3: I, you know what I, I think what it is is when you're on a, you know, a, a club that's not winning. I don't know. I know uh, Comrie. I think was out. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, you know, there's been so many injuries this year with the no. team. And, you know, it's hard to keep up exactly when and how long. <laughs> I know he had an injury this season. He came back. He did very well playing on a line with Kyle Pozo And uh, you know, now he just. Look at him, I know he got got into a little fight at the end of today's game. Island defense just wanting to be productive. And for all the players right now, just for the fans, it looks like it will come down to the trade deadline day and see if any moves are made.
2: Yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, he's been hampered by injury this year. And uh, he's only uh, had seven goals, actually, the whole entire season. That, of course, has been because he's only been limited to 35 games. And uh, he hasn't been able to score as well. Uh, as he usually scores. you talk about some of these top prospects uh, in their system? I mean, how close are guys to, to like, like, Corey Trevino or Trevor Smith, uh, the two, two uh, high, highly touted centers, uh, how close are they to getting in with the Major League Club?
3: Well, when you're looking at a team like the Islanders that are in 30th place right now, I mean, it's really possible that anyone can make it. <laughs> I mean, Trevor Smith right now is on the, the Islanders, AHL, Philly, at the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. He's having a pretty good season. 51 games play for the club. He has 24 goals, 18 nice. assists, uh, 42 points, which is pretty good. I know he I, he might have spent some time with the Islanders this year as well. And Trevino, I he was just drafted uh, just recently, so it's, uh, I mean it's very possible for any prospect in, the organization, in this organization. To make Jake club.
2: How long do you think the goalie McDonald's gonna be around for?
3: Uh, Joey McDonald, I think right now is of course him and uh, Jan Danny uh, are gonna, are gonna be the goalies this season. That's the way I understand. Of course, Rick DiPietro with uh, is out for the rest of this season. And I mean, it was a very interesting thing that the Islanders did, if you remember. Just recently, they had Wade Dubois, who, you know, came up from Bridgeport, at the Islanders to the playoffs in 2006, 2007, and then he got his first uh, backup job at NHL level last year, played backup for the Islanders, had a, had a shaky start with the Islanders, and then uh, once Rick DiPietro uh, shut it down for the season in March, uh, Wade Dubois was once again, you know, pretty much considered the starter. He started all in March. And then it was a thing over the offseason where the Islanders did not re-sign him because they had another goaltender by the name of Joey McDonald already on a deal. And the way Joey McDonald's deal was, it's the first year of his deal, which was last year, that was a two-way deal. So he played the whole season uh, in the minor leagues. I mean, at the end of the season, Joey McDonald had a couple starts in the Islanders. But the thing with McDonald's deal was the second year of his deal, which is this year, was a one-way deal which means uh-huh. that if you have you know, the Islanders and to go down the bridge Bridgeport, you'd have to clear waivers. So it was very interesting over this off-season because the Islander fans kind of knew Wade Douglas wasn't, wasn't going to come back because the Islanders already have from the previous years on their another contract, a backup goaltender. So where, what happened there, we have Joey McDonald and Rick DiPietro start off this season. And everyone knew that Rick DiPietro was coming off surgeries and, you know, was had him played at the end of the last
0: season.
3: So we go through training camp. We know that Rick DiPietro was, uh, you know, rehabbing his injury. But Islanders fans thought, Alex and I thought on our program, it, you know, I mean, as soon as the week before the season started, that Rick DiPietro was going to start for the Islanders. What do we see? I mean, I'm watching the game. I think it was October 10th against New Jersey Devils at Prudential Center and the Islanders uh, to address Rick DiPietro as the backup, and Joey McDonald starts the season opener. And next thing we know, Rick DiPietro only starts his, what, five or six games throughout the season, and Joey McDonald becomes the starter of this team. Going forward, I think it's going to come down to either Joey McDonald or Jan Denis as the backup next year, Rick DiPietro, and it's, uh, I guess that's also another storyline you could take out for the remainder of this. <laughs> And so it's been quite a story for the Islanders' goaltending situation just only, you know, over these last couple of seasons.
2: Yeah, and as you are talking about a lot of deals with the, with the goaltenders there, uh, I think all Islanders, all Islanders fans can agree that Rick DiPietro, I guess the first part of his 15-year deal hasn't panned out exactly the way they wanted it to.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, Islander fans are, of course, upset what's happened with Rick DiPietro. It's not, it's, you know, it's something out of the soul. It's an injury. It's part of the game. And I think right now, you know what, it's a losing season for the Islanders. It's a time of rebuilding. The Islanders have made that very mm-hmm. uh, public that it's a, they're trying to rebuild. So if you're going to take a season off, it's going to be this one. As, as an Islander fan right now, all I want is Rick DiPietro to be healthy Come uh, training camp uh, next September And hopefully if the Islanders uh, Can get someone out of uh, This year's uh, entry draft They can start uh, we can start Seeing this rebuilding uh, progress
2: You think um, Miroslav Satan Is part of this rebuilding process
3: uh, You know what Miroslav Satan of course uh, Before this season played The last three seasons with the Islanders uh, It was a uh, at the beginning of that mm-hmm. signing and when Islanders had a previous, originally signed him I thought it would be a good signing I thought he really helped the team I mean of course he, he had a you know he had two good seasons and then last year I mean it just I was getting the feeling he Islanders weren't going to re-sign him uh, yeah, of course at the trade deadline last year he couldn't be traded because he had no trade clause he would have had to waive that he stayed on the, <laughs> the club the rest of the year and then July 1st, come uh, f- uh, free agent, uh, the free agent beginning of this past summer. He signed at the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it was a- mm-hmm. one year ago. And uh, I guess looking forward, I. He's in the bad luck
2: charm of the Penguins.
3: I don't see the Islanders. That's right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see the Islanders re signing him. But I'm telling you, it will be interesting to see what uh, happens to Pittsburgh uh, come down the stretch now because this whole NHL, if you look at it, it's uh, going to be a great playoff race.
2: Oh, no question about it. And speaking of the playoff race, one team that has really soared is the team my root for, and I think your co-host has covered them uh, a couple times, that is the New Jersey Devils, uh, the team that right now has soared into first place. I mean, the, you still have the Flyers and the Rangers still close behind, uh, still in striking distance, but the Rangers really fell off the map uh, since the All-Star break. Now, you look at what the Devils have done, I mean – Obviously, uh, without door, uh, with Clemenson, and also uh, that with a newfound offense that you just didn't see the Devils have the last couple of years. I mean, isn't it incredible how the Devils have been able to, with limited offense, and then they got Brandon Shanahan, I mean, they've been able to soar this high in the standings uh, over the last couple of months.
3: You know what? The New Jersey Devils story has been great, as you mentioned. Alex, uh, you know, he's been covering the games. He was mentioning to me, he's like, he was saying to me, and I'm going to mention this on our next episode on Sunday in Hockey Night in Long Island, and he uh. like, said, Steve this, Steve, this team doesn't have Martin, Martin Brodeur, and they still look like the best team. I mean, it's been to – the Devils have been so good to a level where we've been talking about them on our Islanders-based program. I mean, the New Jersey Devils, <laughs> it was thought by many that, you know, Martin Brodeur – made that club, and everyone was wondering, you know, if when Martin Brodor was not part of that club, either, you know, when he was retired or whatnot, what, what happened with the the Devils? Would they still win? We see, unfortunately, that Brodor, you know, one of the good players of the league, an all-star goaltender for all these years. He's led the Devils to the playoffs. He uh, mm-hmm. gets injured in the middle of the season. Scott Clemson and Kevin Leek take over as the goaltenders. I mean, it just shows a model that the New Jersey Devils are built on by Lou Vamorello, the general manager, and the coach, Brent Sutter, that they're still in first place in what you can call the toughest division in the National Hockey League, the Atlantic Division. They're in first place by 77 points. I mean, they've just had a a great season. And it will be interesting to see once Brodeur comes back. I think that will be even a huge lift for the club going into the playoffs. Remember now, Dor, if he comes back, I think the date they are targeting is actually next Thursday, the 26th, against Colorado. I mean, he's mm-hmm. going to be going into the playoffs with this club. I mean, with the least amount of games he's ever played, I mean, the fastest he's ever played, this can be a big year for the New Jersey Devils. And remember, the backup goalie will be Scott Clemson who led this team, so that's a good backup goalie to have good situation mm-hmm. right now in New Jersey.
2: I mean, you only have to look how much the Islanders have struggled mightily against the teams in the Atlantic to see how tough this uh, Atlantic Conference really is, and I agree it is the best uh, the best division uh, in the East, if not if not the entire league. I mean, um, but let's get back to uh, the game uh, yesterday with the Rangers and Islanders. Of course, even in a bad year, uh, whether it be in the Rangers or the Islanders, and when one team is not in the playoff race, uh, do you think the rivalry between these two clubs is still one of the biggest robberies in the, uh, uh, in the Eastern Conference, if not the entire NHL. You
3: know, I think the Islander-Ranger rivalry is one of the biggest uh, rivalries in sports in general. I mean, it's, it's great if you look at the history. And it, I mean, in, you look at this season, I always you know, are pumped up for those games. I mean, for the Islander fans that almost kind of want like, I, the Galaxy United Islanders to lose, not, the Islander-Ranger games are exceptions. You want the Islanders to win those games, those games are, start getting personal. I mean, you look at like, this game, it is just another example, of the of another chapter of these great matchups these two teams have had. I mean, you look at the Devil, um, excuse me, the Rangers, a team that's been struggling, you know, had their own struggles. It was a big game for them. You look at the Islanders, a team that, you know, hasn't really been able to go on a consistent winning streak all this season. Meet in men Square Garden in the middle of February. And, uh, I mean, if you look at the, the game-winning goal that ended up getting it, I mean, it was really a, a softy goal by uh, Scott Gomez on Jan Denis, And then, of course, uh, the Rangers ended up getting that at the end of the game. But you look at it, it was a physical game and uh, a fake win for the Rangers. But I think nothing... Uh, and also, not the alike.
2: Islanders, I mean, this kind of favorite role for teams to play, but the Islanders get to play the role of spoiler uh, down the stretch, change to support a lot of the playoff team's um, aspirations down uh, going into the uh, playoffs. But I mean, mindset and, and the team is this team going to be rooting for Atlanta to lose or are they going to be rooting for Atlanta to win? I mean, Atlanta, of course, is the uh, 30, uh, 29th ranked team in the league. Uh, so down the stretch, are the Allen's going to be rooting for these other teams? Uh, I'm sure the Islanders want to win every game they can down the stretch, I and mean, that's you want to win every game that you play. But with the with the with the task at hand, and the fact that the Islanders could get this first draft pick and Tavares, like you said, what do you think about that?
3: I yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, think of the perspective of someone like myself and other, many <laughs> other people, and that's the Islander fan. I mean, this franchise has not won a playoff series since 1993. I mean, you've gone through many. Since that time, there's been many things. I mean, you've had, you know, the bad years for the Islanders. We've had, you know, the Islanders that have actually made the playoffs for the last six seasons but failed to pass the first round in all those seasons. I mean, the Islanders could easily have been a team that, you know, like in previous seasons, makes the eight spot. But I think it was the Islanders this offseason decided that the best, uh, course of action for the franchise would be a rebuilding process. And at this point, I, I think right now, it's uh, not for the team. I can't really talk for the team. I can talk for me being a fan, and that's, I mean, Alex and I, we just want this team to start winning, and the only way we think they can do that is through the draft. How we approach that, then we almost kind of want them to lose the rest, out the rest of the season. And of course, there'll be a well, We've been watching every single week. We've been having what we call the John Tavares watch on Hockey Night on Long Island, or we've been uh, you know going, you go all the way down the standings and you catch the the bottom five teams and see how it's going. I mean, we've had fun. We've played around the, you know different scenarios where what happens if Islanders win and uh, you know Atlanta loses this week. I mean, we've we've done it all. I mean, that's the biggest by far the biggest story we've had the last couple months. On our show is, uh, is the upcoming entry draft and John Tavares, but you know what it, uh, it's uh, it's of course we love watching hockey and uh, just have to see what happens.
2: Now here's our last question for you, Steve. Uh, of course, um, let's say the Islanders do eventually uh, finish as a thirty uh, as as a place team uh, and get this first pick, Tavares. I'm not just asking the NHL draft works, but does Tavares have to agree to join the Islanders? He has to agree, uh, to run the team, and if he doesn't, if he has to agree, I mean, or even if he doesn't have to agree, what is the motivation for any prospect to come to the Islanders after this season? I mean, obviously Pittsburgh Crosby openly welcome the chance to play on the team that Mario Lemieux played on, but what is what is the motivation for a per, a, a prospect to come to the Islanders?
3: I think and the motivation, uh, sorry, you go ahead. Okay. Well I, think it, sir. well, I think the motivation to go to the New York Islanders is the fact that they have the right intention of rebuilding. They, You look at their storied history of, of course, the great four straight Stanley Cups in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the players that are on the current roster, which I mentioned earlier in the program, the Kyle Pozos, the Josh Baileys, the Franz Nielsen on this team, and you could start, you see that core is starting to be made on this club to go forward. And, I mean, the way it works in the National Hockey League is when you're drafted by a team, you're that team's property. I mean, you still have to obviously sign an entry-level contract with that team at some point. I'm not quite sure, you know, all the nitpicky rules that are involved in this. I know Alex on our blog, HockeyNightonLongAllen.com, Wrote a whole editorial a couple weeks ago about
0: mm-hmm.
3: it was almost a reaction to a, a Toronto columnist who was saying that you know Tavares shouldn't go to the New York Islanders and Alex took a lot of offense to that. You know, based on you should you know you should you have to play you should play for who you get drafted for. It's an honor to play in the National Hockey League. It's a it's, it's a great piece that's up on our website. All
2: right, great. Uh, once again, Steve, I uh, wish the best of luck to you. I mean, I, I'm not sure whether, whether to tell you to help the Islanders win or lose down the stretch, but to hope they win something, whether it be a draft pick or a uh, uh, place in the standings uh, down the stretch. Steve, thanks so much for your time. Good luck with uh, hockey on Long Island, and good luck with the uh, John Chavares watch.
3: Thanks a lot. You run a great program here, and, of course, uh, on, the, on the great blog talk radio network. And uh, we'll just uh, keep covering what happens, hopefully, uh We'll have a you know, good end to the season and a good off season, and then we'll be right back at it next season.
2: Definitely. We'll see you later, Steve.
3: Thanks a lot. Great.
2: And, of course, uh, Steve Grill of Hockey Night on Long Island joining us here on Blog Talk Radio. You can check out Hockey Night on Long Island at HockeyNightOnLongIsland.com. You can also check them out at uh, BlogTalkRadio.com hockeynightonlongisland Hockey Night on Long Island. They usually air Saturdays or Sundays. Uh, at 3 p.m. You can check them out that way. Um, I believe we have a caller now. Uh, actually, we don't have a caller. Sorry. I thought we had a Skype caller, but I didn't call in. We'll take another quick break. When we get back, there was some uh, NBA draft moves today. The Knicks got a couple of players. We'll get to that, and uh, we'll update you on the hockey. And we got a little some NS, NFL, remember that, sport. Couple of NFL tidbits to cover uh, before we close out here on these 56 sports docket You're talking with the cloths. We'll be right back after this.
0: When I was a kid, I used to hit rocks over this creek in my backyard you could say I'm still hitting rocks. But now, it's out of other people's yards. There are many roads to the show. What'll yours be? MLB
2: 08 the show. Nothing gets you closer. Rated E for everyone. Only on PlayStation. Hello
0: Mets fans, you're looking for a show that covers the Mets inside and out?
3: And there's a show for you, the 7 Train to Shea Mets Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join Matt, Greg, Mike, and special guests all season long with inside analysis on games, news, rumors, the minor leagues, and more. Voice your opinion or ask a question by calling into the show. For up to the latest Mets, news, rumors, opinions, and show schedules, visit our website at www.7traintoshay.blogspot.com. For Mets fans, by Mets fans. It's a 7 train Mets radio show. Now back to the sports doc.
1: He popped him up. He's going to get it. Rochus down from third. Roches makes the catch. Ball game over. A perfect game. A perfect game for David Cohn. There is deal. Fastball hit in the air to left field. That's deep. That goes Chavez back through the wall. Leaping, and he made the catch. He took the home run away from Rowland. Trying to get back to first half He's doubled off, and the inning is over. Broken back, foul ball off the right side, and the barrel of the back came after Clemens, and he picks it up and throws it back, and Piazza's walking out toward the mound, and now the home plate umpire, Charlie Rutherford, gets in between them, Piazza points to himself, and so does Clemens. In the air to deep right field, that ball headed toward the wall, that ball is out of here, out of here. Timo Perez jumps in the air, waiting for it to come down. Makes the catch, and the New York Mets are the 2000 National League champions. Giambi on is way to third, and they're going to wave him around. The throw misses a cutoff man. Shot. Him! Bernie back, away back. He's there. He makes the catch. Ball game over. World series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win.
0: Is Aaron Boone to lead off? His first at bat of the game.
1: There's a fly ball deep to left. It's on its way. There it goes. METTLE! Oh,
0: METTLE! DEFEND METTLE! AND THE RACERS
1: HAVE ONE MORE HILL MCLINES DAVEY, BUT IT'S MOVED THE RACERS ARE HEADED TO THE FINAL! Once ...again, it'll be a 3-2. The stretch, and pitch, swung on and popped up again, off third, Hayes has room, Hayes makes a catch, Yankees win, oh, Yankees win! The New York Yankees have won the 1996
0: World Series. There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is no good. Norwood missed. Four seconds left. The Giants have won Super Bowl 25.
1: And the with one and six 10 seconds puck is off the controls control. That is all over. The New York Rangers.
0: Mark and Evan, your source for all New York sports.
2: Welcome back to the sports docket, uh, 956 on a Thursday night in New York City with the Kloss. Just to acknowledge, before we close out here, a couple of big things that happened today. Uh, A couple of trades before the deadline, the Knicks got uh, guard Larry Hughes from the Chicago Bulls. It wasn't really a big deal. Uh, the Knicks were rumored to be trading for Amari Stoudemire, um, Amari Stoudemire, but he's staying put in Phoenix. Uh, with this deal, the Knicks did pick up uh, just Larry Hughes, and they, they gave away Jerome James, Tim Thomas, and Anthony Robertson. No big loss there. None of those guys really had any considerable playing time in any game uh, with the Knicks uh, this year. So uh, Larry Hughes is actually a pretty big star, but he was struggling with the Bulls. And uh, they decided on the different direction with Kurt Heinrich being starter there. And also Knicks did pick up uh, Wilcox uh, from the Oklahoma city Thunder, the team they moved over from Seattle. Uh, they swapped Malik Rose, Chris Wilcox, another minor trade. So Wallace making a couple of uh, house cleaning deals here to get rid of some big contracts, uh, Wilcox earns 1 million less than Rose. So uh, I would say the Knicks, you probably you really can't uh, hammer Wallace for any of these deals that were made. Uh, the Nets did not trade Vince Carter like was thought to be done. Uh, the Nets kept Vince Carter for the rest of the season, and I think it's a good deal. The Nets have been playing lately, and New Jersey needs Vince Carter in that lineup every night. Uh, I mean, Jason Kidd embarrassed them last night. As Dallas roughed up the Nets. The Nets teams lose. That's good for Knicks fans, but for the New Jersey Nets, uh, who are competing with the Knicks for that uh, eighth spot? Uh, they really got to get back on track, or else that team is going to miss the playoffs for the second straight year, and that is uncommon in New Jersey. And last of the news, what else is new? Uh, former Mets Tom Glavin has signed with the Atlanta Braves. Now, I guess we ends on that note. He's re signed a one year deal. He's uber 40 years old. He's old, but he's going to be playing for one more season. We're going to close out our show now. Uh, I hope this applies to the Islanders And they get lucky And get John Chavares We'll close out with the song Lucky By uh, uh, Jason Mraz And uh, we'll see everybody uh, On Sunday night At 9pm with the Ace Man Who won't be bowling on the Sports Talk We'll see you then
3: Good night
1: Do you hear me Talking to you